listening to the Keefe to the City podcast. All right, spring training for the Yankees uh, took another step forward on Wednesday with the position players reporting to spring training uh, almost a week after pitchers and catchers reported. Uh, we've got storylines galore from just one day of the position players reporting and uh, joining me once again to talk spring training after our pitchers and catchers edition last week is Scott Ryan of BronxPinstripes.com. You can see him on Twitter at Scott Ryan. You can hear his podcast over on Bronx Pinstripes. Uh, he's the founder of that site and has uh, lots of good stuff over there. Scott, how's it going today? I'm good, Neil. It's uh, it's good to see all the position guys back on the field again. So thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It seems like now that they're there, you know, we're just a week away from when actual spring training games begin. And it's, you know, about that time when uh, you, you see the first couple of spring training games and it seems weird to, to have baseball back in your life the way that, you know, the first games of the season always feel weird, like it doesn't feel like it's real baseball. But uh, after that first week of spring training, it sort of just drags on at that point. But it's good to enjoy it right now while it lasts because in about, you know, 10 days we'll probably be sick of spring training. Yeah, well, one of my favorite parts of spring training is obviously you get to see the new guys that have come over in the off season. You know, while we didn't sign a free agent until just recently, um, we we did get some some pretty big acquisitions via trade. And it's always exciting to see those guys in pinstripes and actually get some gameplay. And then I'm actually a big fan of I, I like just kind of breaking down the game and looking at some of the kids. So I actually enjoy do see I do enjoy seeing some of the kids play with the big leaguers and kind of mix in. It's uh it's fun to watch me ha- see how these guys develop and, and just just really how they act, kind of the eye test, you know, if you will, while you're while you're watching them in a game. Yeah, and the, it is always good to see that. It feels weird to not have like that new toy that we talked about last time outside of uh, Araldis Chapman, who reported last week, and, and certainly the uh, the storyline surrounding him, both positive and unfortunately negative, and those will um, evolve over the coming weeks. But for position players, you know, the biggest stories from Wednesday, from when they reported in the morning, uh, happened to be with the veterans on the team. And I guess we'll start with uh, Mark Deshera, who said he feels great. He wants to play for five more seasons. Hopefully, he says those will be with the Yankees. And uh, now in the eighth year of his contract with the Yankees, it kind of does feel weird. He said it flew by. And and when you think about it, it really does feel kind of crazy that this is already his eighth year and final year of that eight-year, $180 million deal he signed in uh, December of 08. But, uh, you know, I've been counting down the days till this contract's over. It's unfortunate that he thinks he could still be a Yankee after this season. And really what's unfortunate about it is that he actually might be now that Greg Bird's injured. We don't know what the future holds with him uh, because it was a shoulder injury. So there's a very good chance that Walter Shearer, I don't think he'll end up playing till he's 40. There's a good chance he'll at least be back next season. Yeah, I mean, he's got a positive attitude, right? I, mean, <laughs> I think everybody, when you come into spring training, has a positive attitude and a positive outlook of how the season's going to go. And, and at this point, when they're at, talking about your career, you feel great. You, you feel like you could play forever at this in the beginning of spring. But... Yeah, I mean, while well, you think he may come back, I, I, I really don't see it happening. I, I think he's – this year we're going to hopefully benefit from him playing for a contract, um, possibly a two- to three-year contract somewhere else. And I, I think while it does hurt, obviously, that Greg Bird was out for the season and it kind of puts us you know, behind with, another, with him getting a, a full major league season under his belt um, – I do believe that he is going to be the starting first baseman going into next year. So I'm glad Teixeira is happy and positive and all of these things. And, and, you know, everything is good out of his camp. 
Uh, I just don't see it happening after this year. Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope he's not back. I just have this feeling that they'll be looking for insurance and he'll want to stay. He might, you know, take less money because he, he wouldn't have to move his family out of Greenwich where he so desperately wanted to be when he signed with the Yankees. Um, and, you know, he's been my number one whipping boy, even more so than Nick Swisher ever was or A.J. Burnett. Uh, he's been the guy for me. And really to hear him say that he feels healthy and he feels great, I hope no one believes that because this is a guy that – you know, had a significant wrist injury a couple of years ago. Uh, he's missed games with, you know, a pinky issue, tired legs from being on the bases, rib injuries, lat injuries, lightheadedness, uh, hamstring injuries. It's just, you know, from significant injuries to joke injuries. Uh, and three years ago at this time, he sort of admitted that his career was winding down and that he'd never be the guy he once was. And he'd be happy to hit 250 and just keep his home runs and RBIs up. And at this point, that's all you can ask for. I just hope his defense doesn't go because he was so great defensively the first few years with the Yankees. And really the last couple of years, uh, haven't been so, uh, he hasn't been so great at first. It almost sounded like you were you were listing off a Carl Pavano um, <laughs> Yankees like right career for a minute there. So <laughs> there, there's way too many parallels when you start talking and you start adding up those injuries. But yeah, you know um, his, his defense is is something that I think we can we can just kind of bank on. It's it's one of those things. You know, it's declined a little bit, but I mean, honestly, he probably saved another five to six errors from Chase Headley last year. Uh, the guy still is one of, I think, the best defensive first baseman over there. While his range may not be as good as it used to be, you know, hey, gluten free, gluten free is keeping the uh, the the heaviness off of his toe, off of his feet. So apparently, he's feeling good, feeling light, and and hopefully, the at least defense can continue. I feel like you're a very optimistic, Mark Teixeira guy. I'm just optimistic in general. I like <laughs> this the springtime, you know, the flowers, the, everybody's coming to camp all happy and, and healthy. So I, I, I tend to be on that until I start getting like really negative. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, it is hard to, to not be optimistic right now because, you know, winter's coming to a close, spring training's here, baseball's almost here. But then it's things like that with Deshera, you know, saying he feels great and he wants to play five more years and the things like uh, Chase Headley, uh, who just, you know, was abysmal last year, the first year of a four-year, $52 million contract. And I remember last offseason when he had, uh, you know, sort of threatened that he had a $65 million offer on the table, which was clearly um, never real. And to hear him say today, uh, or he's not, you know, he said, I'm not panicked that all of a sudden I don't know how to catch and throw a baseball. Uh, I mean, I'm panicked that he doesn't know how to because he was so bad defensively last year. He was an automatic out at the plate. Uh, he ended up playing the most games on the whole team because they didn't really have a viable option behind him. They had to keep running him out there no matter how bad he was, both offensively and defensively. And really, uh, this contract, while in the grand scheme of things, $52 million in the baseball world isn't great, but this contract after one year, 25% through is a disaster. Well, especially when you look at who he replaced and the guy that was traded to the, the Padres and what he did last year. I mean, everybody thought that Solarte was going to be a guy that just got really hot in the majors for a couple weeks and then fizzled out like he did at the end of the year. Uh, came back and actually had a really good year last year. If you compare their two numbers, they're, they're almost identical. They're very close. And yeah, I, I, I want him to press a little bit more. And, uh, I mean, this is a guy that defensive woes was something that was just kind of baffling me last year because, I mean, if you look at the back of his card, he's, He's a good defensive player, and while his over-the-top throwing motion looks extremely awkward and just doesn't look natural, it it uh, it suited him well for most of his career. So I, I really don't know what happened last year defensively. I, I, I kind of expect that to go away and expect him to, to go back and be kind of that solid player over there because you see him boot the regular ground ball, the routine ground ball, and then make a phenomenal play you know, towards the base 
and come up throwing. So he's he's kind of an anomaly in the field for me. But hitting, I really, I think we kind of see what he's going to be. I think he's going to be a 250, 260 hitter. You know, if we can get 15 home runs out of him, I, I think it'd be a good year. Yeah, I think the reason they signed him last year is they really didn't have another option. The market wasn't so great for third baseman. I guess Sandoval, you could say, was the number one guy there. And thank God they didn't sign him. But uh, they don't really have another plan behind Headley again this year because A-Rod's not going to play third. Starling Castro's never played it. They've talked about possibly, possibly seeing him over at third. And now Rob Refschneider, who was an outfielder, they moved to second base. They didn't feel comfortable with him at second, or so they say, all of last season. And then he ends up playing in the you know the biggest games of the year down the stretch in the one-game playoff. And now they're talking about maybe seeing him at third, where you're going to have to take him from second, move him to you know a different perspective, seeing the ball on the other side of the diamond, move him closer to home plate, less reaction time. Uh, it, it really is puzzling, and it se- almost seems like for the Yankees to be already thinking about Castro there, to be thinking about Rev Schneider there. I'm sure they're going to keep their eyes on other teams and you know free agent options at third base. But the idea that they're already thinking about tinkering with other guys who who don't really have set positions, since Castro and Rev Schneider are neither of them are second base by trade. Uh, I think it almost tells you that the Yankees' leash on Chase Headley this year seems to be short from the get go. Yeah, and I mean, rightfully so. I think they have some guys that that hopefully can can play those positions. And I tell you, I, I was I'm a huge Ref Snyder fan. Uh, last year, I was I was calling for this guy, probably like everybody else. But for the duration of the year, the whole the whole premise of him staying back because of his defensive liabilities or his defensive woes was just so, so baffling to me. When you're rolling out, uh, you know, a sub Mendoza line batter every single day, it just made zero sense to me. I'm like. You know, can we can we see this guy in the field and have him take a couple of licks if that's going to be the case? But you know, when he did come up, that wasn't the case. He played he played a very solid defensive second baseman. There were no glaring issues. He made a couple phenomenal plays. He's an athlete. He played right field in at um, at Arizona when he was in college, and he's come up to second base, which is a newer position. But I think this year, when they look back, the Yankees are actually seeing that he de- has developed quicker than they expected. And played a lot better in the major leagues at second base defensively than they were expecting. So possibly they're thinking this guy is as athletic as he is could could make a switch to another uh, to another position. And honestly, if he can, the value of Rob Refsider skyrockets. I agree, and I think you know I was part of that uh, movement too, and starting the hashtag get give Rob the job because he deserved it. I mean, Stephen Drew should have never been on this team last year. Really, you can make a case they should have never traded for him the year before. Uh, Brendan Ryan, everyone knows what he's been his entire career. So to watch them go through the entire season and, and give this poor excuse that Ref Schneider's not ready because of his defense, uh, and then use him you know down the stretch when they're trying to clinch uh, in, in late September, and then play him in the one game playoff after he was in AAA all season, it, it just you know makes you think when this team tells you they're all about winning and the World Series is the goal but they make moves like that or they let CC continue to start and move Adam Moore into the bullpen and they just make questionable decisions and they're almost you know too loyal to their vets uh, and, and, and it hurts them and I think you know we're seeing that again with Ref Schneider here they sort of screwed him over by making the trade of Castro and I'm all for the trade because if you can get Starling Castro and all it's costing you is Adam Warren and Brandon Ryan you have to make that deal but now Ref Schneider sort of left without a position and I, I really do think he needs to be tried out at, at third base and really that should be his focal point for the rest of spring because Chase Headley is not going to get any better he outside of that one year in uh, in San Diego when he had 31 home runs. The rest of his career has been closer to what we saw last year, maybe not as bad, but 
he's definitely not going to all of a sudden turn it on at this stage in his career and become something he was a few years ago with the Padres. So I think Rev Schneider is definitely the best option here down the line at third. And I think we might see it sooner than later if he proves he can play it in spring training. Yeah, I mean, that would make me an extremely happy Yankees fan, in all honesty. If I could have Starling Castro and Rob Refsider on the same team in the same in the same <laughs> lineup, I would. I don't know what I'd do. It, might, it just might be too much for me to handle. But, I mean, if I hear Girardi talk about Steven Drew hitting another hard line drive uh, <laughs> with it not dropping, I think I'm going to go crazy because that's all you heard last year. So, yeah, the, he was, you know, we know he loves his vets. Brendan Ryan's like his boy. And, honestly, I've talked about this already. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Brendan Ryan in pinstripes again this year. I, I just would not be surprised him getting released, uh, you know, from the Nats and possibly three other teams, and then finds his way back to the Yankees as a uh, as a defensive replacement late in innings. Um, but yeah, you know, one can really hope that that Ref Snyder gets an opportunity because I think that's what he needs. He needs an opportunity, and we know his bat is major league ready. Uh, you know, he's proved that he can play defense at, at second base. Let's see what he's got at third base. Why not? Yeah, and I think. Uh, like you said, he he does look major league ready offensively, and and it, what pains me to even go back to last year again. But that team needed major league ready bat at bats. You know the defense and a right handed batter at that. Exactly. Who cares if the defense was lacking because it wasn't exactly. like Drew was playing lights out defense, and and Brendan Ryan for being you know a defensive specialist wasn't playing great defense either. So it, I don't, I still don't get how you know. Granted, they did make the playoffs. They did won the one game or they made the one game playoff. They could have won the division. Yes. And I still believe had they given Ref Schneider the full season or close to it, they probably would have. I totally agree with you. I think it was, uh, you know, I think they cut us short with that because, I mean, the one thing that we needed, probably one of the the top five glaring needs that we that were on the Yankees last year, especially towards the end of the season, was a guy, a right-handed batter at the bottom of the order to turn that lineup over, to set it back up for the first uh, for the for the top of the order, and to give them a little bit of relief, a guy who actually gets on base. You know, instead of trotting out the Brendan Ryans and the Stephen Drews every single day in an automatic out, you, you put a guy in there like Rob Refsnyder to turn that lineup over. You're adding not only are you adding some youth, a little bit of just a, a dynamic ball player, but you're getting the fans excited too because all we wanted to see were some of the young guys. And at that point in the season, when you have an automatic out every single time in the lineup, give me a guy who can at least put the bat on the ball and give us an opportunity. I agree, and I think. Uh, you know, this whole problem could have been resolved had they just re-signed Robinson Cano up to his offer of 175, taking some of the money they wasted on Jacoby Ellsbury, who we'll talk about next. But then we wouldn't even be talking about this. Steven Drew would have never been a Yankee. Brian Roberts never would have been a Yankee. Brendan Ryan would have never played second. Rob Refschneider, we wouldn't even care because who cares? We have Robinson Cano still. And uh, we don't because they lowballed him, gave most of that money over to Jacoby Ellsbury and, and what could end up being the worst contract Maybe not only in baseball history, but definitely in Yankees history. And you talked earlier about Carl Pavano, and everyone always laughs about the money he sort of seemingly stole from the Yankees uh, in his four years there. But when all said and done, if Ellsbury keeps going on this pace, five more years of this will be way worse than anything Carl Pavano ever did. Yeah, I guess I'm just still waiting. I'm, I, I, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, give me, <laughs> give me some crap for my optimism again, but. You know, Jacoby Ellsbury, if you look back at his at the history of his, his injuries, because everybody, you know, he's an injury-prone player, Mark, much like Mark Teixeira and guys like that who, who just kind of find injuries. Um, the, the injuries that he had when he was in Boston, I mean, you know, sliding into second, slide, you know, sliding when he's in the outfield, it's just, it's, those are kind of like freak injuries to me. I know he's had a hamstring, and then most recently with the knee, but I, I'm kind of waiting for 
I don't know, that, that breakout year. I, I feel like it's still in him. I feel like he still has it. I think he's a terrific athlete. And, and we saw what happened in the beginning of the season before that knee injury occurred. You know, he was hitting, what, 324, I think, with, uh, you know, his power wasn't there, but he was stealing bases again. And having him healthy at the top of the lineup helps Brett Gardner immensely. And the two of them just feed off of each other. So, look, I can only hope that they're healthy, especially Ellsbury. I think Ellsbury is a big X factor this year for this team. Yeah, it's almost like now he's played 260 games with the Yankees. If you combine the two seasons, he looks good. You know, he'd have 23 homers, 103 RBIs, uh, you know, 60 steals. So if you give him 260 games, it seems like he'll get the <laughs> job done. But, yeah, I think you brought up a good point about how he was, you know, playing well before uh, before the injury and before he hit the disabled list. And I, he admitted today that it wasn't until the offseason when, when he thought that, you know, that was really the difference maker and that he never fully got healthy. Uh, but like you said, he does have a history of freak injuries. He's not maybe not necessarily injury prone, but the thing is when these injuries do happen, they tend to linger. And he's certainly not one to play through pain because we saw last year a bunch of games he sat out when he's saying he was sore. Uh, so he's not exactly going to be the warrior that maybe Chase Headley, on the other hand, has been. And he's had to play through some things. But I don't know about Ellsbury. I mean, I don't know. I just don't see it. I mean, this guy, he, he's sort of like a Headley in that he had one year. He got paid off that one year. Now we're five years removed from that one year. Uh, the power wasn't there last year, even when he was healthy. I'm not sure if it will be there this year. I, I thought this guy would be easy 20 home runs uh, with his swing playing at Yankee Stadium for 81 games a year. But he hasn't been that guy yet. I know injuries plagued him last year, but the year before, uh, he played 149 games and didn't do it. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, it would be nice if he turned it around because they they owe him so much money for such a long period of time. He's not going anywhere. So uh, I guess you can only be optimistic at this point until he gives you a reason to be pessimistic again, which I'm sure is coming. Yeah, and you know you're you're talking about the contract, which makes him just a completely you know unmovable player too. I mean we. we as Yankee fans, we talked about this all offseason about who was possibly, you know, a, a trade candidate on this team. And you're looking at the contracts and you're kind of questioning, well, who is actually tradable? Who, you know, some of these contracts are, are just absolutely not tradable. And he's one of them. So, yeah, I, I guess that's, I guess I'm optimistic because that's really the only option at this point. And I'm not going to just completely talk crap about a guy, you know, for the entire career. Uh, just because I don't know, I, I get sick and tired of that. So I, I'm, <laughs> but let's, let's, I'm, I'm hoping for some optimism. Look, he's a, he's an athlete, and that, I like. I'm a. Whenever I look at a baseball player, the first thing I look at to see is if they're athletic. I want to see, you know, just just their natural abilities. And you know, if you're looking at the two of uh, him and Chase Headley, I, I think it's very obvious that that Jacoby Ellsbury has you know the tools to become a uh, be a much better player and to play better than he has. And and while he's not going to hit 30 home runs again. You know, he's a guy that can steal some bases, create havoc at the top of the lineup, play good defense, high ba- high on base percentage. That's the guy that we need. I don't think necessarily we need those those home runs. Well, does it worry you that if you look at the you know traditional power positions in the corners, uh, both the infield and the outfield, I, you know you got Headley at third. Uh, he's not going to give you much power. Like you said, we'd sign up for 15 home runs right now. At first, you have Teixeira, who will give you the power, but can he stay healthy? In left, you've got Gardner, who's not a power hitter, though he sometimes likes to think he is. And then you've got Beltran, who, once again, can he stay healthy? So it seems like the right side's all about the health. The left side's all about what you'd sign up for right now. I mean, those are traditional power spots that the Yankees used to be able to hide, you know, having a lesser guy in the corners because they had Cano at second, who hit like a corner guy. Uh, are you worried about the power of this team? You know, I think you have to you have to worry about the power a little bit because you know the the if you look at the Yankees for the past five six years, I mean it's been 
it's been home run or nothing. And, and these these teams, while while composed to hit home runs, they haven't hit home runs. They they've been old. They've been hurt. They've been you know whatever the whatever the reason they just haven't been hitting home runs. But when they do hit home runs, they score runs. So if that home run if that home run power leaves and and the Yankees are forced to play you know station to station and and a little bit more small ball, then yes, I'm worried about that because and if you look at our team last year, how many guys did we have hitting over 300? Zero, I believe. Yeah. There were there, there Two, was 270. We didn't have anyone hitting over. I think Rob Refsider was the closest, actually. Yeah. Uh, obviously, limited uh, limited action. But, you know, these guys aren't built to get on base and to go station to station. It's just not the case. So, so yeah, if, they're, if, the, if the power is lacking, if these guys are hurt, absolutely this, this offense is going to struggle. It, it almost seems funny to look back, or well, not funny, but sad, to look back a few years ago when everyone was worried about the Yankees saying they hit too many home runs and that they couldn't string together enough, you know, base hits and rallies. And now, you know, it, 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 it's just bad to see that, you know, we might be in a situation where that's the only way we'll score runs. And it, especially in 2013 and 14, the power was so down that, uh, you know, you long for the days of 2012 when the only way they'd get runs was the long ball. But, um, you know, that's always been their bread and butter. And that's what the Yankees are built around. You know, they built their stadium for that way. They build their teams for their stadium, you know, try to get power pitching and left-handed power hitting. So, uh, you know, it's not exactly the ideal formula for this team because of, you know, their left-handed power hitting is really going to come from Teixeira, McCann, and Beltran. Um, you know, McCann is, is very, you know, streaky. Uh, Teixeira is, you know, hurt a lot. So is Beltran. So uh, the middle of this order, generating the power from there certainly is a concern at this point. Yeah, and I think that's why guys like Ref Snyder, that you know, p- potentially building a, a, a spot on this team and some kind of a utility role to get into that lineup is extremely important. You know, uh, Castro hitting at a high uh, batting average, getting on base at a high percentage. These are the guys that you need to get on base, and that's why, again, talking about the the creating the havoc. I, I'll keep saying that just because I think it's so important. But the, the on base percentage of Ellsbury and Gardner uh, is, is so important to set up these guys because. If these are solo home runs, we're not going to win games. These need to be these need to be home runs that drive in that drive in multiple runs. And in order for that to happen, you need guys on base. And someone like Rob Refsnyder and a healthy Ellsbury and a healthy Gardner are guys that have you know high on base percentages who hit for average and can help out the power guys. I agree, and I think you know we keep talking about Refsnyder. I think we're like the president and co president <laughs> of his fan club, but. It does make sense. I mean, it made sense to have him on this team last year. It makes sense to find a spot to have that bat because they they need a right-handed bat like that. I think that's part of the reason they went and got Castro's because they needed a right-handed bat that could fill in at the top of the order. And you look to the middle of this lineup, and I know last year, uh, you know, they sort of flip-flopped A-Rod, Beltran. I mean, A-Rod started this season hitting seventh, which is just an absolute joke. Um, And then at points, he was third. He hit fourth. Beltran, when he got hot, he finally went up to the third. You know, how would you sort of piece together this lineup right now you know it's interesting because I think Girardi has so many options now that he has he has Castro in there as a right-handed bat he can he can really play with him I mean he's talked about him at you know in the in the 8-9 spot he's talked about him as a as a potential top top of the order guy too so I think he's got some 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 flexibility in that but I think we're going to see the the pretty standard uh you know Teixeira, A-Rod, McCann, Beltron in the middle, uh, sandwich around these other guys. DD's going to be at the bottom, um, but you know maybe he can move Castro up there occasionally when we're when we're, when we're uh, facing a, a tough lefty and and really mix up that that righty lefty because he's still going to have you know obviously if he if he runs out with uh, Ellsbury and Gardner at the top 
you got two lefties, so that that could potentially be an issue. Uh, but I think Castro does give him some flexibility. Yeah, I think the the number one thing to stay away from is the is the Ellsbury Gardner dynamic. I mean, when they're hot, they're hot, but they're both. You know, they're probably one and two as the streaky hitters in the league. I've never seen anyone as streaky as Brett Gardner in my life. And the thing is, when he goes cold, it's ice cold, and he'll have these long O for stretches, and then, you know, he'll he'll give you his 17 for 40, and then he'll go O for 30. And it's just, it's horrible. And I to have those guys back-to-back, we saw what they could do when they were hot, and the Yankees, you know, ripped off a, a, a couple of long winning streaks at the beginning of the season. But when they were cold uh, in the second half, the Yankees blew their division lead. I just feel like... You can't always keep those guys together. And to me, you know, if Ellsbury is going to be the leadoff hitter, which I think he should be, you always should have Castro too. I don't care if it's a righty or a lefty pitching. Gardner's, you know, not good enough where he deserves to always be going from the bottom of the order back to the top just for lefty-righty matchups. But I know Joe Girardi, you know, anybody, you pick a guy out of the stands, if he hits left-handed, uh, he's going to face the right-handed pitcher. I know he's always going to you know, favor those lefty-righty matchups, even if they don't matter, even if they don't make any sense. But to me, I'd always keep Ellsbury Castro 1-2, uh, and then you could you know, do whatever you want after that. But those are my top two guys. I, I like that as well. If I were the manager, I would do that. But we're not talking about you or me managing this club. We're talking <laughs> about Joe Girardi, who we know that last year when he had his lineup set, it was Ellsbury Gardner, and Gardner was the number two guy. And I feel like in Girardi's mind, Gardner's now the two guy. And if he were to slot him lower in the lineup, that it would be just a complete insult to Brett Gardner. And he would never do that to his vet guy, especially a guy that's been a Yankee for his entire career. You know, Girardi just sticks. He, he's so loyal to his guys to a fault when it comes to where they are in the lineup, how often they play. You know, the list goes on and on. While players probably love the fact that he's extremely loyal, he, I think, misses a lot of opportunities to put a better lineup out on on the field day in and day out. And I agree with you. I think having Castro in that number two spot would be uh, terrific for this for the lineup and, and really help the, the top of the order uh, turn it around, no matter who they're, they're facing. I don't know what you do with Castro if you don't have him there, because he certainly, I mean, I guess you plug him down at the bottom of the order, but to me, you know... I, He's got to be the two hitter. I mean, the guy, he, he's, you know, one of the best young hitters in the game. I mean, the amount of, I, you know, that stat they show all the time about him. He has, uh, you know, almost a thousand hits, 991 in his first six seasons in the league. Uh, I don't know. I just can't fathom that they're going to put Gardner there. But like you said, this is Girardi we're talking about, and he's loyal too much to his players. So if he thinks he's the number two guy, he's the number two. Um, the only thing I'm scared about is Headley, you know, creeping back up there to like the seventh <laughs> spot because there's no one that deserves to hit ninth more than him. Um, you know, the, the idea of having a second leadoff guy and putting Gardner down at nine or having Didi there or even wasting Castro in that spot is just disgusting to think about. I mean, if Headley's going to play, he's got to hit ninth. Yeah, and I, I think it's funny because I think you're right. I mean, if you look at Castro, what happened last year, he hit. I, I want to. I think it was he had the highest batting average in Major League Baseball in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 350 or 360. It was something crazy. Uh, but the the guy can hit. I mean, he had a, a bad first half of the year. He's a three time All Star. He's 25 years old. Give the kid an opportunity to hit in the heart of the lineup where he belongs. I mean, he's going to be the, the you know the future of the New York Yankees. This guy is cemented in there, and I think he you know if given the right opportunity and put in the with, with some good protection can really flourish. 
Yeah, and when you look at now that like the heart, you know, you've got A-Rod, you've got Beltran. Uh, McCann, to me, I mean, he should be hitting sixth or seventh. He doesn't b- deserve to be hitting fifth, let alone fourth ever. But uh, it seems like, uh, you know, I'd put Teixeira at five, and then I guess A-Rod, Beltran, three, four, it doesn't really matter to me. I feel like, you know, Beltran is the better overall hitter, so he makes more sense to bat third. But as far as going to share and McCann, they deserve to be five and six. But I have a feeling, you know, they're going to creep up and possibly be four and five. It just depends on who's one and two, really. Because if you have two lefties, you're not going to put, you know, it depends on who you're going to put at, th- at three at that point. So it really, it changes a lot of things, I think, with, with the Girardi factor. Hashtag Girardi factor. <laughs> the Girardi factor is a terrible thing. I mean, we talked about it with the bullpen management last week. We talked about it. Uh, now with the lineup, uh, you know it'll certainly come into play with the rotation. As you brought up last week, the uh, the inevitable uh, six man rotation that seems like will come down in April at some point and skip starts. So it does seem like uh, you know he gets a lot of credit. I, I feel like from outside, you know, people from non Yankees fans, and it's really you know I guess it's because we watch the team every every day, game in and game out. We see all the nuances and the BS that he puts together. But uh, it does, you know, have a negative impact at times. And I feel like, you know, never more so than you look at this lineup. I mean, going back a few years ago, especially in 2010, when it was evident that Robinson Cano had become the best hitter on the Yankees, and he continued to hit fifth. And Mark Teixeira continued to hit third all season. Uh, and then in the playoffs, he finally switched it around. But uh, I just, you know, he just has to stop being so loyal at some point. I mean, especially with this team now, the lack of star power, the lack of power overall. Um, you can't afford to be loyal with this team because things could get out of hand early, especially in a division that seems like everyone's going to be on even footing and it's just going to take you know one team with, with a really good month or a lengthy winning streak could run away and hide. Yeah, and I think he's getting closer and closer to playing for a contract. Uh, you know, I, whether it's – I know people call for his head, but it, it really didn't make too much sense. There was nobody out there that would have been a a, a better solution than Joe Girardi this past offseason. But I think it's it, – you know, it's getting to a point. If the Yankees don't start producing, there's a there's going to be a major turnover in, in this lineup and in the, or not just the lineup but in the in the team, in the roster. And, you know, that's that's a decision if you want Joe Girardi taking that that kind of new wave of New York Yankees into the into the next phase of this re I'm not gonna call it a rebuild, but retool or, you know, a lot of the, the young guys coming up from the, the minor league. So, you know, there's gonna be a, a big decision when when these guys are coming up. I mean, Aaron Judge, we expect to be there next year. We expect Greg Bird to be there. So it's very possible that there's a fresh face if he doesn't if he doesn't really, you know, produce on the field. You bring up Aaron Judge there, and the, the idea that you know if you go back in time and Slade Heathcott doesn't get hurt in the minors, then they never get Ellsbury because Heathcott was supposed to be the future at center field, and maybe Judge is already up and playing right field if they don't get Beltron, or maybe they just get one of those guys. But uh, it seems like injuries, at least to Heathcott, really screwed up the future of this team from the outfield's perspective because now they owe Ellsbury you know so much money. Um, at least for the next five years. And Beltran, you know, he'll be coming off the books after this year. And Deshera will be coming off the books. If CZ hurts his left shoulder, he'll be coming off the books. So it is sort of the end of an era when you look at the Yankees uh, handing out, you know, extra long contracts to guys on the wrong side of 30. Um, and it seems like we'll start to usher in that new era. And Aaron Judge seems like he'll be, you know, in line here. Hopefully we'll get to see him at some point this season. Um, I guess hopefully not because, I mean, someone got hurt, but hopefully in the sense that he'll have earned his time uh, in AAA and in the minors and have to jump to the majors. But uh, it is weird to think that we're now turning to this new era where Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, they'll be the new face of this team, along with, you know, younger veterans like Starlin Castro. 
Yeah, and to me, it's so exciting, actually, because you know I, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of signing the big contracts, the, especially the duration. I mean, you're you're talking about keeping Robbie Cano here, but the ten years just completely scares me away. I don't want to sign anybody for ten years. I, I don't care who you are. I don't want you for ten years. Bryce it's just Harper. it's it's <laughs> yeah. If I see another article about Bryce Harper being a New York Yankee in three years, for God's sake, you give him ten years though. Yeah, I mean, he's gonna have to get ten years. Fine, I'll give him ten years because he'll pay for it. Early years, on, but he's a he's a million. he's a different type of talent. Yeah, that's true, and I think it, it, I know it is crazy that everyone is already talking about that because it's so far away. But people have been talking about that since he was a teenager, you know, sixteen, you know, years old, maybe even earlier than that. But it does seem inevitable that he'll be getting a ten-year, like five hundred million dollar deal from the Yankees. He's going to get it from somebody, and it's possible. I mean, he he thinks he is Mickey Mantle, so it's very possible he will <laughs> he will be uh, patrolling the uh, you know the outfield at, at Yankee Stadium. But but yeah, you know, it's exciting seeing these guys. And Judge Judge's a guy that obviously you know you look at him and you're like you know this guy is going to be a, he, he's Dave Winfield. I mean, he's a, he's a tremendous uh, a tremendous just huge human being. I mean, he looks like Giancarlo Stanton. Everybody I know has been comparing him to him just because of the stature. And you just hope he can he can kind of live up to the expectations and and really uh, develop himself in AAA because I know he did have some you know he did have struggles going from AA to AAA and you know his, his swing's a little long he really needs to to just work that out and I hope that he does rebound in AAA and have a very good season because he's definitely one of the guys that will bring people to the stadium to watch. I think when it comes to Severino bringing him up last year at 21, I didn't think there was a chance they'd bring him up because they're so hesitant to always call up their young players. I mean, uh, you know, going back to when Hughes had to start because so many people got hurt at the beginning of 07 or when they brought Jabba up that summer, uh, it's far and few between that the Yankees, you know, elevate someone at a young age and, and judge now, I mean, he's going to be here. He is 24. He's going to be 24. uh, He'll be 24 in April. So, uh, you know, he's getting to that point where you want to see him come up. I mean, Ref Schneider came up as sort of a late age, and it almost seems like if Mike Trout was in the Yankees organization, he'd still be in the minors. You know, I, we, we were talking about the killer bees for how long? We never oh. really saw them <laughs> flourish. I mean, the killer bees were, 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 were the next core four. I mean, these guys were the ones that were coming up and going to be our savior, going to be the, you know, the, like the new Atlanta Braves rotation. And it just never worked. Um, these... So yeah, I, I agree, and, and a lot of it is because, to me, the Yankees they do they 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 keep their guys in the minor leagues for too long. They you know they 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 baby them so much. I mean, we saw that with Jabba came up with the Jabba rules. I mean, I think they ruined his career by flipping him back and forth. And you know, Phil Hughes was another guy that they just kind of were just so it seemed uneasy about her. Just they didn't they they could never make like just a firm decision on what he was. So, you know, I'm, it's, I'm very happy that they brought Severino up and just let him pitch because he seems ready, and what happened? He performed very well. So keep, keep going. Let's see him. Ref Snyder performed very well. We I agree, more. and I think especially when it comes to pitchers, and my biggest thing with Severino was that team needed, you know, a, a boost in their rotation. They needed a jolt. They needed someone who had front-end stuff, and he's 21 years old. I mean, these guys, you look at CC, you know, eventually age where it carries up or catches up to them. You only have so many bullets in that arm. There's, there's no point in keep wasting those in AAA and meaningless games uh, when you could be up in the majors. And, and certainly, you know, there's a chance they, they go up and they get shelled and they can always go back down. But, uh, you know, they do need to be, you know, a little more lenient when they call these guys up because to keep seeing prospects come up at 24 and 25 when all these other organizations, you know, they have studs when they're 21 up already in the majors. Uh, it seems like the Yankees are, you know, a bit behind in that the way they were a bit behind in building their farm system over the last 10 years. 
Well, and, you know, the if you look at baseball, just the landscape of baseball today, and you look across the major leagues, you're seeing a lot of young guys that have come up earlier than they were, you know, than most guys, than most teams, I think, would bring up their young guys, you know, in the past 10 years. So you're seeing the game get a lot younger. Obviously, post-steroid era, you're seeing it more athletic. A lot more, uh, a lot more baseball players are are hitting gaps and not home runs. So I think the younger guys who can run faster and, and just stay healthier longer, you're seeing that trend move on. And the Yankees have to adapt to that, and they have to bring their guys up so that they can kind of stay with the, you know, with the cause. And to, you know, I, I always hated the uh, the argument because people would always say that if you brought a guy up too early and he got shelled, <laughs> that it would ruin his confidence <laughs> and he would never be the same guy again. You know what? If if a if a stud kid comes up, gets shelled, goes back, and that ruins his confidence, he was never going to be a great ball, baseball player in the first place. So I, I agree. I've always felt that same way. And uh, you know, you look at this team, and they made it to the playoffs technically last year. One game, they lose it, get shut out. And do you think you know is this team better? Is the 2016 Yankees better than 2015? Are they better than making the one game playoff and, and losing it? Or are they going to be sort of on that same bubble again this season? I mean, I have to say that they're going to be on that bubble. I think they're. I think it's just there are so many dogfights in the American League. I think there's going to be a dogfight for the wild card. I think the AL East is just going to be. You know anyone's game really? It's going to come down to the to the in division records and how you play in that division, and and how you stay healthy at the end of the at the end of the season is is going to be absolutely the the biggest the biggest crucial point for the New York Yankees. But I think they're in a better position in the fact that that they're a little bit younger now. Uh, we have obviously Castro, we have Severino for a full year, we have guys in AAA who are now who have major league experience. We saw the Scranton Express come up. These guys are now. A little bit more seasoned, and the younger guys, I think, are another step closer to the major leagues and can help at a you know at a different level. So, while I think the majority of our team has stayed primarily the same, I think the younger guys are just another year better, another year more experienced, and I think that can only help. All right, Scott, thanks for coming on again. We touched on just about everything. You know, we got to the pitchers and catchers last week, into the position players today. Got to rip Girardi both times. So, you know, <laughs> we'll check in again. We've got a long ways to go now. We got a week till the game starts, then a month of games. So, we'll check in again. You know, in during spring training towards the end. Hopefully, everyone's healthy, everyone's performing well, and uh, things are looking good heading into opening day. But for now, I guess we just have to to wait. Just a waiting game now for six weeks. Thanks, Dale. Yeah, I'm excited to see these guys actually play on the field. So appreciate you having me on again.